0: Welcome to On Your Radar, Teens in Crisis. This is a podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. This podcast is titled clinical and intervention methods. Here are Neva Sandhu, LCPC, CRADC, Rosecrans clinical coordinator, and Crystal Haviland, director at Connections Counseling, which is a division of Rosecrans. And I'm John Williams. You can hear me weekdays from 9 to noon on WGN Radio. With a long history of leadership in treatment for substance use and mental health disorders, Rosecrans has grown to more than 60 locations across Chicago, Northern Illinois, and Central Illinois, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Rosecrans is a private, not for profit organization offering comprehensive, nationally accredited, evidence based addiction and mental health treatment for children, teens, young adults, and adults. In this series, we will focus on youth and their pandemic related recovery. Knowing that young people face challenges in the best of times, the coronavirus world of 2020 and 2021. Have made some of life's obstacles even more acute. Ladies, welcome.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Uh, Neva, let's start with you. So, what does clinical coordinator mean at Rosecrans?
1: So clinical coordinator is a term for a leader who's helping coordinate services for different sites in Rosecrans. So I have the opportunity to supervise a handful of our outpatient programs in the suburbs where we offer intensive outpatient treatment, basically several levels of outpatient care for adolescents and for adults.
0: We uh, say on the radio a lot of times that you all have something like 60 different sites throughout Mm -hmm. the really WGN radio listening area, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, Indiana, Northern Illinois, that kind of area. Mm-hmm. I think this far down south is Champaign-Urbana, mm-hmm.
1: right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so then uh, what about you, Crystal? Are you one of those counselors or what do you do?
2: Yeah, so I'm the director of Connections Counseling. We're an outpatient mental health and substance abuse clinic in Madison, Wisconsin. So we're a division of Rosecrans. um, And basically, the level of care that we provide is outpatient substance use and mental health treatment with our highest level of care is intensive outpatient in the Madison area.
0: Are you dealing with uh, college students there then?
2: Yeah, we have the honor of working with quite a few college students, um, specifically with UW-Madison college students.
0: Do the treatment programs tend to segregate uh, young people by their age or... The issues that they're dealing with?
2: I think that the answer to that is
1: both. We will serve adolescents, so under the age of 18, in one level of care or one group program, and then adults 18 and older are in their own program. And then, based on their needs, um, we might have them in a specialized group that addresses multiple mental health disorders or a specific diagnosis. You know, for example, if a client has opiate use disorder. We have found that because there's a higher relapse rate with that population, that they do really well in a group with peers who are kind of going through the same experience of recovery. So we really do try to meet clients where they are.
0: And you describe the level of care. This is not inpatient, but it's, it, um, it's almost that, right? Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So it's not inpatient. It is outpatient, which essentially means that the people we serve are residing in their own home and coming to Treatment, or now since um, the pandemic, are able to do telehealth from their home. Um, individual group, um, individual sessions are their pre-COVID have come to our on on sure. site, meet sure. individually with a therapist, one on one, and then, um, at Connections, we have quite a few different outpatient groups, um, that is a step down from intensive outpatient, um, and basically our outpatient groups, um, because at Connections in Madison, we do serve such a, a large group of young adults. We do tend to have, we have like a college-specific program um, because they have a lot of unique experiences, as we'll we'll talk about later. Sure.
0: But what does severe outpatient mean, then? People who m- might, in fact, benefit from inpatient, but for some reason, mm. they are meeting not in a clinical setting, they're not living on campus, they're still living in their home, they're still doing their job or going to school, how then intense is that outpatient therapy?
2: Yeah, so intensive outpatient is nine hours a week. Um, For us at Connections, it's three days a week um, for three hours for approximately eight weeks.
0: Is that in a group in that setting? Yes. Wow, that sounds like a lot of work.
2: Mm -hmm. It is.
0: Um, And do those young people... Do the work are they ready to do the work? How you know interested are they in that level of therapy?
2: yeah yeah that's really um, relies on the relationship that each therapist has with with the person that they're working with um, ideally, we're meeting them where they're at and we're You know, if we're concerned for their well-being, that we're looking at a higher level of care and we're giving them, you know, meeting them where they're at and want to give them an opportunity to do it at at an outpatient level, it's something that we, um, ask of them at least to try for a couple weeks and, and see how it feels. If they're able to make, Meet some progress on on their treatment goals. That are we
0: talking about alcoholics? Are we talking about drug use? Are we talking about both? What yeah? What so are f- they talking about?
2: Yeah. So for intensive outpatient, it. Um, At Connections, we're specifically looking at substance use. So it can be a variety of substances. And we really ask that no matter what maybe their drug of choice is, that they're taking a break from all substances um, for that period of time. Because we kind of believe that if you don't take a break from all substances, you don't really know what it might be like to be sober.
0: um, Right. So Mm -hmm. don't drink. Don't do the drug of choice. Yeah. Don't smoke
2: or marijuana.
0: Uh yeah. I mean, but, well I thought that's why they went into therapy. If I could do that, I wouldn't be sitting here, lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wonder I wonder how easy that accommodation is for them.
2: Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard and we acknowledge that. Um, and typically, so I can speak a little bit more about connections. Typically, we get the support of a loved one involved. Um, that's a really big part of that, whether that's a parent, significant other, family, friend, um, involved in their treatment. And, um, and we know that. Hey, if they could stop using substances on their own, we wouldn't exist at Rosecrans or Connections, right? Um, and so we know that it's really hard. And, um, we talk about it, it. The language is, um, you know, we, we can't expect someone who is struggling with addiction to, um, not show, demonstrate behaviors of someone struggling with addiction. So it doesn't mean that they're, they don't, relapse or have difficulty staying sober. It's about progress, not perfection.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that, too? I mean, I guess I think of um, alcoholics hitting rock bottom mm. and then deciding to build themselves back up. Is it the same sort of arc for these young people? Because they're so young, I, I would imagine maybe they, they haven't experienced it that mm. way.
1: Right. I think that's common amongst young adults and teens that they haven't lost big things in their lives that made them face a need for change. Sometimes it's an external motivator like school or uh, a legal intervention or parents just being really concerned about the use. And so when when those clients come in and we do an assessment and we say, okay, you do meet criteria for this outpatient program, we are working with that teen to say, okay, what would help your life feel better? How would we know treatment worked with you. They might say, I'd like to fight less with my parents. I'd like to not be stressed out about my grades anymore. I'd like to be able to go socialize and not have my parents not trust me. And so the behaviors that follow that would be abstaining from substances.
0: I think that's such an interesting answer. Um, as a third party, I have always imagined the end game was then you don't use. Mm-hmm. But the end game is then you have a, a happier or less stressful life. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine that. I, I wonder if just that dialogue alone would be instructive or helpful.
1: It is. I think it's so much about making it a team effort. It's being on the same side. I think teens are going to feel like adults are interfering with their life and what works for them and how they connect to their peers and how they feel okay. And so our goal is to say, we also want you to connect and feel okay. Well, let's come up with a plan to do this. And And I think not always think about forever, which can be very daunting for teens and adults alike. So let's just look at today. Let's look at next week. Let's look at a month from now.
0: This whole conversation we've been having, I guess we would have had this conversation conversation before March of 2020. Mm -hmm. How has it been different since March of 2020?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So what I think about of how it's been different is I just want to take a moment and, and think about teens. So if we all were to take a moment and think of what were the things that we loved as a teenager or got excited about school over, it wasn't the academics, right? It was the or for me, I'll speak from my experience, sure, no, it wasn't the academics, it was the, who do I get to see, um, you know, between classes, in the hallway, um, you know, who do I, who can I flirt with and potentially get an invite to prom, right? So those are the things that get teenagers up in the morning to go to school. Now, think about now in 2020, how that was taken away, um, and And we have to remember that teenagers aren't in a place of thinking of the greater good, you know, or public health. They're thinking of themselves, and that's appropriate developmentally. And so now having restrictions be put on them and their ability to individuate and create their own identities is now being put on the back burner in – face of really we need to prioritize public health. So I share this in that the context of life still happens during a pandemic, like the the things that happened before the pandemic, right? Divorces, losses, breakups, right? But now we're talking about... Th- they don't have that social connection. They don't have, they're also grieving the loss of those events that really define the high school experience, prom, graduation, saying goodbye to their peers as they potentially launch off to college or a career path, which are both very different experiences in a pandemic. So there's just such a deep sense of grief and loss tied to this um, for teens. Um,
0: Did you say bored teens? (laughs) No. Four (laughs) Four teens. teens, Four Four Four. teens. Pardon me. It's okay.
2: Um, But then to also think about parents doing the best they can. They are affected by the pandemic, just like we are, right? And so they're navigating possible job loss, possible divorce, but now through a pandemic, right? Like all the other things as well. And, and teens, as much as they probably don't want to admit it, look to parents to feel secure and safe. And so that disruption.
0: I wonder if the, the schools or the parents, the adults in the world have anticipated enough the need for some of the things you're talking about. Like, for instance, school over the computer via Zoom. We were all just talking about the academic of it we weren't even thinking how do we give the kids you know time in the hallway i guess they have breakout rooms but i don't know that that serves the purpose i'm thinking about where has been that you know interaction for kids who is who is planning that who is managing that what, i don't know that there has been a lot of that
2: i don't know i can't speak to that yeah. experience in this in the school setting yeah i'm not sure
0: but i guess my point is That's necessary, just as necessary as the academic side.
2: Absolutely. And And it
0: it, does sound like it's been somewhat ad hoc.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because communication, connection now through the pandemic has to be intentional. It's not accidental because we're not together.
0: Yeah. What are you thinking about when you hear all this?
2: I think about how we try to create
1: some sense of community in treatment. Treatment can feel like an isolating experience on top of an already isolating experience of substance use or mental health. And so we have really tried to understand where a teen might be coming from when you've been in Zoom school all day and now we're asking you to log in for Zoom treatment for 3 hours to talk about stuff that might make you feel uncomfortable or frustrated or overwhelmed and so our counselors have worked really hard to see how can we use that technology to support our teens and be creative with that how can we help them feel like this is a place for them to be able to be belong and share and discuss some of the stressors that they're experiencing that they may not have named Um, you know it isn't it isn't that like I like how Crystal called it that accidental interaction that you have that Mm -hmm. passive experience of being around your peers uh, but we try to promote some of that within within the program and then encouraging those teens to kind of engage with external supports that are safe. You know, there's a lot of virtual support services that have popped up in response to the pandemic and the fact that we can't go to, you know, we might recommend going to a 12-step meeting for some support. Well, that's not a safe option. So what could you do instead? And seeing how many online meetings are available and other online support groups and other ways to engage with activities that are safe social spaces.
0: Well, a rose what have you all found as an outpatient experience? What makes the one really successful? Is it the sort of a chemistry among the participants? Is it matching up the the circumstances of the participants? Is it the, the, the lead therapist? What makes a really good session?
2: So I think it's all of that, um, all of what you described. And I think it's the intention and the passion um, that the facilitators and um, so at Connections, we have mentors um, in our groups and um, and which means that they are still active um, participants in the group, but they have reached a point of sobriety that they get to share their lived experience mm-hmm. with others. And and that I can speak from Connections is the heart of the work. Um, and as, it wasn't until this moment that I realized Connections is doing some of this accidental piece, um, through our sober events. Um, and Rosecrans's, um, their, um, alumni network is really getting people connected who um, are all committed to recovery, whatever that may look like for them. And um, at Connections, we have sober events, which basically means that a mentor hosts an event and says, hey, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to be clean and sober. You're welcome to join me. And through the pandemic, they've really come together to get creative about how do we do this Informal because it isn't, there's not a clinician. And
0: online, there. we're talking.
2: Online. Um, so they have a pop up coffee, um, hour where it's just a, a a handful of our mentors getting together um, saying we're going to be having coffee during this hour during zoom and clients can attend um through the pandemic we've also had as the weather is getting better because we are in madison wisconsin um hikes um and social distance hiking and and to come to your with um to a sober activity like that and practice social distancing but to be able to connect so connections um tagline is together we recover right um which is very well connected with rosecrans's life is waiting because we can't do it alone and it is about making those connections so they can um continue the recovery outside of our walls or outside of the zoom sessions not alone
0: yeah well i know that in this podcast we wanted to address how accessible Rosecrans can be at meeting people's needs. Mm -hmm. Is there something else we should say about that? This sounds very user-friendly. Absolutely. That has to be key, right?
1: Absolutely. So one thing that we take a lot of pride in is that Rosecrans never closed or stopped offering services. You know, it was a hectic time when you think back to March 2020 and how will we still see our clients and help them feel safe and our staff feel safe. And um, it's incredible the teamwork. There's so much work that goes on behind the scenes, clinically and just logistically, to make it happen. But we were able to quickly pivot to make sure we had enough. You know, software requires licenses. It's something I don't ever have to think uh. about as a clinician or as a, a coordinator. Um, but making sure we had enough so that every counselor could run a virtual group session, get that information to our clients, get them logged in, help us review like, what's a good group virtually because we know what that looks like in person but what's a a healthy, safe group for all of our clients? Making sure our clients have the technology they need. You
0: mean four people, maybe that room seems too small, 20 and now it's unlost. Right, exactly. Literally what's the number and Mm -hmm. who and how do we do it?
1: Right, you know, I think some of our clients, they may only have access to a phone and, uh, you know, looking at their phone screen and we'll encourage clients that if you have access to a larger screen you'll see more of your peers in that group being creative with something simple as uh, you can change the background of your zoom screen right and so we might do a check-in instead check-in with a color instead of an emotion and then be able to talk a little bit about that i've had counselors come up with really cool ideas with music groups where um you know because we have the technology that you can share your screen or share your audio that uh, teens can share a song that's speaking to them in this process of recovery right now and then that i don't know there's something so amazing about talking about music and recovery that the clients really just light up and can connect with music in a way to talk about how they're feeling and what they're experiencing and so we've been able to do fun things like that so where it can feel like a slog sometimes i'm Mm. online all day how can we make that feel more connecting
0: has that emerged during the pandemic
1: Mm -hmm. i think we we've done experiential or music therapy groups in the past but this was a way to kind of help bring back that um the essence of what you experience in person in a virtual setting.
0: And speaking of emerging, I know that you and I wanted to make sure that we connected on emerging adults, what they're experiencing. That's what connections is all about, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, like I encourage you to think about what the experience we all had as teenagers. I think you know, for us to think about what was what was exciting for us as emerging adults, whether that's our path was to go to college or to enter, you know, a career path. Um, You know, for college students, um, there's so much. I mean, what I think of is, you know, the excitement of finally living independently from my parents, um, meeting my dorm roommate, um, you know, getting connected with, um, you know, peers who will I'll stay connected to for the next four years or hopefully longer um, and football games right like all of these things that we have promoted and into our you know young adults that this is what the genuine college experience is going to be and now think about in 2020 students at UW-Madison were invited to the dorms, and then asked to leave after a period of time being there. That letdown of, I finally get some independence from my parents, here I am launching off, then asking to leave and and to go back home. Um, that's devastating. Um, and then to not have that that college experience. And then to, to be asked to get passionate, find what you're passionate about through Zoom, you know, where you don't see other peers, you don't connect with your teacher. Um, so the thing that I think is really, really important to speak on is, you know, especially UW-Madison, or Midwest college culture is so much on social drinking, right? And, and we recognize, well, there are Aren't any football games happening, right? And, and so we're, we're recognizing that, okay, we, when this all happened, we were wondering what was really going to happen for college students. And unfortunately, You know, what we're seeing is that, yes, that has impacted the social binge drinking culture when you drive through Madison Mm -hmm. on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no tailgates. Right. Um, But instead, you know, the CDC put out a a research article last June in 2020 that um, said individuals from the age 18 to 24, 62% of them were experiencing anxiety and depression, which was actually the highest for any age group. And why I think this is really important to highlight is that it's not necessarily, um, you know, the social drinking that we should be concerned about. It's the natural human tendency to find the most direct, immediate way of relief. Um, and for some, it is alcohol and drugs, right? That immediate relief from pain, from discomfort, from the grief, from the loss. And so what we're seeing is that more and more people who maybe wouldn't have picked up a drink or a drug are turning to that. And that's something that we need to look at this link between, I will say mental health, but I'll also say generally the mm-hmm. human experience in a pandemic. It's not, you don't have to have a mental health disorder to experience pain and to want to relieve that. And on top of that, gyms closed, right? Like social space for students to connect were closed. So the ways that we promote wellness um, by working out, eating healthy, connect with peers was removed, using, and alcohol wasn't removed. It remains an immediate access point.
0: And the the whole social culture has been winking at that. Yes. Has been saying, look at my big glass of Chardonnay or whatever.
2: Absolutely, um,
0: and and then if I will just finish that thought, and then layer upon that the fact that you're at an age in your life where this is really hard to navigate. Anyway, it, it is a perfect storm, then, isn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely, yeah. it is.
1: It's it is tough. I think you're look. I mean, I think you can be a very happy, well functioning, mm-hmm. stable adult, not feel like a lot is going wrong, and still struggle in this situation. And so then you think about how. Um, it kind of really does put into question when, when the number goes up that high yeah. for experience of anxiety, depression. I think there's a lot that we're struggling with that we're not even naming. And, and we're thinking we just need to know how to be okay or it's not as bad as someone else. I think we do a lot of that comparing. And I think the, the best thing you can do is just acknowledge how hard the situation is and how challenging it is when you can't do the normal things that you, Um, would like to do, or what might might have been hard to do when it was normal times. Um, You know, just acknowledging that there isn't, um, resilience is a wonderful quality to have. And I think a lot of us have that quality. Teens have so much resilience. You think about how much they have to deal with. um, But you, you know, if you're struggling during this time, that is not a lack on your part. This is a very challenging time. And we just want to be able to help acknowledge that with our clients and be there for them.
0: You know, one of your colleagues in a previous conversation <clears throat> described that moment as a moment of bravery. Mm-hmm. So you can be resilient and say, no, I can beat this, I can get through this. And a lot of young people have that ability. But there's no shame in and saying actually I'm going to reach out mm-hmm. I'm going to click on Rosecrans.org, mm-hmm. life's waiting mm-hmm. And seek out some of the Interesting ideas that the two of you Have had, mm-hmm. this has really been helpful Crystal Haviland Who is the Director of Connections Counseling A division of Krantz, and Neva Sandhu, LCPC CRADC Rosecrantz Clinical Coordinator I'm John Williams And this is On Your Radar Teens in Crisis With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Click on Rosecrans.org or call 866-330-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans. Life's waiting.